Say It Skillfully is about being who you really are and saying what you think needs to be said, even at work. Whether you're part of a small project team or leading a giant company, the more you accept that you're part of the problem, the faster you can be part of the solution. Join Molly Chang today as together we break the silence and learn how to be happier, healthier, and more productive at work and in life. Hello, Molly here. Welcome to Say It Skillfully, helping you find the words to create shared reality in a way that's true to yourself. We have a terrific lineup of callers today, starting in upstate New York in the direction where my folks are and where I grew up. So I must do a shout out to my amazing mom and dad for providing the best possible start in life and their off the charts support all through my life. Um, you'll laugh. My mom says she keeps her fingers crossed that I'll have an answer for the caller. So mom, don't worry. I'll figure it out. Uh, okay. So we're actually in Rochester, New York, and I'm going to welcome Jim to the show. Hi, Jim. Good morning, Molly. It's great to be on. Well, I'm thrilled that you're joining me and uh, I'm keen for uh, what's on your mind and uh, helping listeners learn from, um, from your situations. Absolutely. This is perfect timing. I'm so lucky that I had the opportunity today because I have a real situation to uh, go over with you. Um, so here's a little background. Um, my company recently completed our annual employee survey. Um, senior leadership has identified three areas of focus for the management team. And one of the areas is career pathing. Um, what was identified is that employees want to understand their career growth opportunities. The perception is moving into management is the only path to advance in the company. And in particular, employees expressed a desire for more training. So training was the uh, sort of the key part of that career pathing. Um, so additional background, um, so training was a focus area of my team in the second half of 2021. I met with each member on my team, discussed what training would benefit them over the next six months, so the fourth quarter of 2021 and the first quarter of 2022. Um, in the fourth quarter, we rolled out a training program focused on the fundamentals of AWS, which is the Amazon cloud, um, and gave everybody the option to pursue their AWS certification. And the fourth quarter was a little light on workload, so we were able to give every employee more opportunity to spend on training. So we allocated about 10% of their workload or about four hours a week they could allocate towards this training program. Um, there was a training budget put in place for people who wanted to go for their certification so they could purchase practice exams and take the exam. Um, to date, only one employee has purchased practice exams and completed his AWS certification. So low adoption in going towards the certification. Uh, moving forward to the first quarter of this year, um, we rolled out an internal program focused on our products. Um, we split the employees into five teams and gave one assignment per month to each of the teams. Um, the end of the month, each team would give a 20-minute presentation to the other four teams. We like to call it the 80-20 rule, where you're an instructor for 20 minutes and a student for 80 minutes. Um, so with that little background, uh, you know, we're, you know, I'm going to be having conversations with each of my teammates and what I'm looking for is how to reframe the conversation about employee training when the employees are not taking advantage of the training we're already providing. So I feel like there's a disconnect between what was provided in the surveys and, you know, the training that we're, we're giving to our employees or the opportunities that we're giving and, you know, looking for your advice on how to have that conversation with the employees about, about upcoming training, you know, what, what it's going to take for them career growth opportunities. Yeah. Well, first of all, kudos to the company for the focus. And I know a lot of companies talk about it and it just strikes me as budget, timing, hours per week. So I think that's all fabulous, Jim. So you're to be commended for that. And I appreciate the 
one-on-one time you're taking with your folks. So, um, you know, most people that I talk to, the biggest issue they have is with their manager so that you're creating the personal connection. You should feel great about that. Um, So let me just ask first, in this situation, how do you feel about the fact that, you know, you company got the survey, responded, and then you're kind of, the people haven't really taken the company up on the training. I'm just curious your own kind of emotional state on it. Yeah, it's a, it creates a a disconnect where you feel like you are understanding the employee and then you see very different feedback in the survey and you're trying to understand, you know, where that disconnect is coming from, you know, are the surveys being misinterpreted? Are the employees not fully forthcoming with you? Um, So you're, you know, you're just trying to peel back the layers to understand, um, you know, what, where the disconnect is coming from. Yeah. So kudos for you on that. I would call it label it curiosity. Just, Hey, yeah, curiosity is a great word. Yeah. Okay. So that's fabulous. And I think that's a really great place, a place of strength to come from. And then one question, when the survey results came out, help me with, did the company review them with the whole company? Did you review them with your team? Did people see them? Just what was their experience of, um, seeing the aggregate survey results? Uh, so the surveys haven't actually been shared yet with the employees. I actually received the results on Friday. So this is very new information. Um, so they will be presented to the employees at the next company meeting, which we have a monthly company meeting. Um, so in another week and a half, it'll be presented to the employees. Um, it is an entirely anonymous survey. So everything, you know, every survey, no names are associated with it, which helps in, um, you know, being able to share this information. Um, the only thing that's not anonymized is they do ask a question on what department inside the company and they keep it at a very high level. Yeah. So that's where we're able to get, um, you know, my my department, there's about 50 employees. So you get a pretty anonymized view of your department. Okay. So you have 50 folks and I, and do you meet with the group? And, and I'm curious on your initial thinking, do you want to have a group conversation? Do you want to talk to your directs? What's your thinking? Yeah. So I, I have about um, just under 10 employees on my team, which falls into the larger departments. Um, I meet with them every week. Uh, so we have a weekly touch point. Um, and I do plan on having a conversation with them. And then uh, my boss who oversees the department, he plans to have a, a team-wide meeting or a department-wide meeting. Um, and then obviously there's the company-wide meeting. So there'll be discussed at an individual level, at a team level, at a department level, and at a company level. Okay, cool. Okay, well, I I get, yeah, I get the nice connection you have. So here's just, I'll just throw this out here as an approach so we can banter this back and forth. But if you have this group meeting, I think an option is to say, hey, you know, so grateful for everyone filling up the survey. We're going to be sharing the results as a group so they know that the transparency is on the way. And to the extent that you can say, one of the things that's really important to me is, you know, being responsive to your folks areas for growth, right? Cause here I am, my job is to help you grow and do amazing work. And we all like shine brightly. Right. So that notion of positive intent and that you as a partner in their growth, and, you know, I can tell you're very down to earth, so I can see that coming across well. I'm sure that they know that, but saying that with everyone in the room, nodding heads, I think reinforces how much you're in their camp. Yeah. Uh, right. And then one of the, so I think this is a shared reality concept is you, you appreciate people for being forthright. And you also set reinforce, you know, one of the things I really want to make sure we do today is I want to hear it as it is. It's not helpful if I don't have a real sense of where you are. And so it really is important that you share with me if things aren't, you know, all roses and unicorns, right? right. I need to know. So it just makes, really, I'm welcoming, if you will, the dissenting points of view. So you're creating safety and being explicit. And even though that's the norm, again, saying it, reinforcing it helps people remember. And then I would 
I would offer, you know, I, I also want folks to know it really is a, all of our responsibility to be upfront. And if we're not, we're not doing our job. So you kind of take away any excuse for people saying, well, no one wants to hear it or, you know, people might not agree with me. So I think I'm, I'm sharing this for all leaders out there, reinforcing safe space and that you want to hear it is just something that needs to be ongoing. Okay. And then you say, you know, one of the things that I'm, I notice, and I want to, I really value your folks input as I'm, I'm just seeing a bit of a disconnect in the survey results and overall, and I'm not saying it's our team, but I, I want to just get a sense of where we really are. And so this is not making anyone good, bad. One way to do that might be saying, and we heard, you know, training was uh, a real area of importance, you know, if on a scale of one to 10, just, you know, and just have people shout out, you know, how important it is for you. And you get a barometer of, of where people are really at. And maybe what they shout out is not what came out in the survey, or maybe it is but you kind of do an impromptu, I call it primary research poll. And you know, people, some, someone might say, oh, say what, what's it like to be a five in terms of how important training is? Well, I feel like I've got a command on it. I don't need it. Okay, great. It's awesome. You're just you know, pulsing and creating an opportunity for everyone to, to share their voice. And using numbers makes it a little less like um, personal, I think. So it just gives you a little bit of a readout. So that's one bucket that I heard from you. Um, before we go to the training and, and giving you know opportunities more than having to advance into management. How does that part land for you? I like it. And you know, I, I manage a technical team. So using numbers will resonate with them. Good. Okay. That's great. Um, and I think the and again hear it in your voice. Again, if you hear something, whether it's low or high, you're like, it's all good. All good. You know, I'm not there's no judgment here. Yeah. So then I think this other thing is about growth and you could also use a number thing. You know, one of the things that came out, uh, I'm wondering how you folks think about career growth, right? And um, again, you can use a one to 10, uh, how much people think up, you know, upwards is the only way to go. Again, same sort of opportunity to see where people are. I have done this when you're with people in a room, if everyone's there, you can literally say the one zero is in the middle of the room and the outer edges is a 10. And, and so if you think that the only way to grow is to, to be a leader, then you're walking towards the outer part of the circle and it, it creates a movement. And then you can actually hear people's thoughts on why it is and people can walk around. So you can create a nice organic, um, literally visual for people, which also can be easy because people don't have to say anything. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, right. And then see what they say. Why is, why do you think it's well? The only way, look at the people who get paid more. Okay, great. That's super. But then you can say, let me just tell you where I'm at. And you stand somewhere. And then you represent a voice of the system. And again, we're not trying to tell people that they shouldn't go upward to the right. But I do think a lot of, especially corporate America, right? It's like, well, if you're not a manager, you know, there's very little career path. And say, look at that's not, you know, the situation here. And we really want to help people to pursue their interests in a way that they can add the most value. So I'm here to create career pathing that really works for you because if it works for you, it works for the company, right? We all do better together. And so that's the, the kind of second bucket. So let me pause there. How's that landing? I, I like the approach. It's, uh, it gives me a different way to, to approach this with the team. Cool. It's a creative thing. We're co-creating. Now, yeah. the next thing gets to, so now you've gotten all this new information. You might just share, here's what a few things I'm taking away. So these people know what you're thinking, which is so great to be transparent. Here's a few questions I have still. And one of them, which is really fascinating, and I don't, you know, I, I want folks to feel comfortable here, but it was, I'm really, I just feel like it's a disconnect because we offered the AWS. I had talked to you folks individually and it seemed like you were interested Right. And I'm not naming names. We had only one person who went through that. So share with me. Did I mishear you? Is there something about it that's an inhibitor uh, for you to take advantage of it? Because I really want to know because people sounded genuinely interested. And if I had it wrong, just tell me I had it wrong. And before I um, uh, let me just pause. So Howard Schultz, who had headed up Starbucks, had pulled, you know, 100,000 employees and found out the number one thing that they wanted was a college education. Most of folks came from families where no one had gone to college. She's like, okay, awesome. 
huge research. I think they landed with Phoenix. I'm not positive, but you do an online undergraduate degree. All awesome. Tee it all up. Right. They go in there and they get like 3%. He's like, what? So rather than throw baby out with the bathwater, Howard's team peels it back. What they found out was in an application process, you get on the computer and the application is not straightforward. So normally where you might go to your parent, say, hey, mom, dad, help me with this. They had nowhere to go. So people got into the application and they just stopped because they didn't know how to finish the application. So when they figured that out, they put in place and it, they weren't Starbucks people, but they leaned into other corporations, a whole help center. If you have an issue with the application, here's where you call. We'll walk you through it. So there was the handholding. So I just offer that they had no idea that that was really the hang up because they just didn't really, they weren't in the field, you know, in the people's homes to understand the process. So, you know, you, it could be interesting, right? That what people might say, and they might say, it's on me. I got lazy. Okay, great. What can we do to support each other? You know, because I'd love to see you all get that. I think it would really be to whatever benefit individually and collectively, and maybe create a mini game or competition out of it. You know, again, you know your team. Yeah. So you actually took the took a question that I was going to ask as a follow-up, which is, is it worth meeting with each person and understanding why they chose not to go through their certification um, to understand that, right? It could be exactly like your Starbucks model, right? Where there may have been some roadblock that I was unaware of that prevented employees from, from pursuing this. Um, yeah. And then... You know, maybe even as a follow-up question that it's, if we can identify what those roadblocks are, maybe going back and asking if we were to get training budget extended through, say, the end of Q2, would you be willing to commit to going through to get your AWS certification, given that we can get you past this roadblock? Yeah, I love that. I, obviously, you know, I can tell you communicate with your folks. If you have that relationship, again, not wrong or bad, just understanding yeah. it. And, you know, I think part of that partnering is I heard you say, I could see how this could be, could be really valuable for you and, and just get a sense for where they're at. There may be some fear, you know, it's work, right? Those things are work. So, and just help them understand if they don't really want to do it, that's on them. Right. But at least have people own that and not well companies not giving me this or that right and yeah. so i think that's all i would treat that as all information for you um yeah. and i also think using one's voice at work is a mutual responsibility like people management's going to listen and you need to use it responsibly and you have to own your fair share which is mutual accountability which is of course what we want right yeah um that's awesome i have a follow-up question for you because you seem very uh, like, you know, especially with this COVID, a lot of folks don't have the connection with the folks on their team. So when you are leading, Jim, what is the most challenging part of leadership for you? Oh, boy, good question. Um, I think when I think about, you know, what is leadership? Leadership is getting things done through others. And one of the things over time that I've tried to improve on is trying to get into their shoes and understand their perspective um, and realizing that every employee can have very different perspectives on the same team. Um, and then being able to take all those different perspectives and get them to work together. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's great. This notion, and I call that empathetic understanding when you get in people's shoes, like what is it like for them? And one thing I just throw out for you is not necessarily making that only your job. And if everyone appreciates that, it's also their job to get in your shoes. Like what's it like for Jim to be our leader? Um, and just I just offer that, that sometimes leaders take on a lot more. And if you can use the group, and the collective creativity of the group that um, can be a different way for people to think about it. And you're a voice of the system too. So your voice matters. And, you know, I think that, that when you get that sense of, I know what it's like for my teammate, you get this connection, right? Yeah. And when you have connection, you, know, you can relate, you have the chance to influence. When you have the chance to influence, maybe possibly you can lead 
And I think that that um, you're, you're on that path. You know, one thing I'll add, I had a mentor say that leadership was um, taking people to a place that without you, they would never get to and creating meaningfulness in people's lives. So I just threw that up for you and for listeners as another way to think about it. Um, I am cheering for you. You have amazing, you, your team's very lucky, I have to say. And um, so Jim, we, we've covered a lot. I'm curious if you have a top takeaway or two from our chat. I do. When you uh, gave the example about Starbucks and, and trying to identify the roadblock, it's what I have underlined on my notepad here is see if we can try to understand why the employees didn't complete their certification. Nice. Nice. Okay. Uh, you know how to reach me. If I can be helpful for you at any time, let me know. If you don't mind looping back, I'd love to hear how it goes uh, with the team. And uh, thank you for being part of the solution, Jim. I'm, uh, uh, thank I'm you inspired. for having me. <laughs> Take care. Come back anytime. Will do. Oh, that's so fabulous. Uh, Okay, so we're heading from, it's actually warming up here uh, in in the Northeast, folks. We're going down to Atlanta, and I want to say a big hello to Adriana. Adriana, are you there? I'm here. Hi, Molly. How are you? I am doing so well. Thank you for taking time out of your day to join us. Thank Thank you for having me on your show. So what uh, challenging conversation or sensitive situation is on your mind? I work for a small company located in Georgia as a project manager. And one of the projects I'm working on right now is uh, planning the moving of our office to a new location. And since the pandemic started, most of our employees, including myself, have been working remotely. So this has become the new norm for the last two years. Um, Our company has been very successful this way, but now our management uh, believes it's time to get back to the office uh, probably two or three days a week to encourage teamwork and to allow allow opportunities to engage in formal conversations and connect with peers. You know, that only happens when we are all together in the same space. Um, Employees are actually doing a great job right now working from their home offices and they feel they can concentrate even better. So as a project manager, I need to keep team members motivated with the project. So my question to you is how do we get employees excited, not only about coming back to the office, but also to move to the new location? What would be the skillful way to communicate this change? Ah, This is a good one. Wow. So kudos for you for having the responsibility because that shows a lot of trust in you to move the whole office. That's a very, very big deal. So kudos to you, Adriana. Thank you. I'm very excited about it. Yeah, I can tell, which is fantastic. And if you don't mind me asking, uh, where uh, is your family from? My family from Argentina. Argentina, okay. And I grew up there. Okay, well, I wish I spoke... um, uh, any foreign language, well, much less yours, but um, your English is fabulous. And so I want to thank you for being multilingual, something I aspire to, which is amazing. So, okay, my friend, so this is layered. So I'm hearing the whole coming back to the office, right? Folks are nodding their head. We all want to work remotely. We love it. <laughs> it's fabulous. We don't mm-hmm. want to go back in. We don't want to commute. I get it. So um, I think that the partnering with management on the messaging of that so that we know where they're at and um, being very uniform in messaging on that is really important. I, you know, so, so I have had people who have had both extremes where they're staying remote or some folks have said, look at everyone needs to be in the office. And I think it is absolutely um, a choice that folks make. So I'm not here to say there's one way better than the other. I think every organization has to determine what's right for them. I think having the rationale very well articulated so that people can understand it, they may not like it, but that it's understandable and has integrity is really important. So just pushing back and making sure that the messaging is really tight is important. I think that, and I was just talking with Jim about this empathetic understanding. Lots of times employees are like, gosh, what's it like for me? You know, I can walk the dog and it's like, I'm, I'm way more productive. I get more done um, in the hours in the day. Helping them appreciate as a leader, 
and let's just abstract it. You know, you're at a big corporate and there's a hundred thousand people. I mean, how easy, easy is it to manage a hundred thousand people remotely? It's not easy to get arms around the whole organism, if you will, if everybody's remote. And if they could imagine if you're the leader and you're trying to help people have a sense of connection, have a sense of, you know, understanding each other as human beings, it's not easy to sustain a hundred percent remotely. Right. So if you get folks to realize that and we see an explosion of amazing ideas from the collisions of people in the office. That's something that's been a success factor for us. We want to preserve that. So I think helping people appreciate the situation and the benefit to the organization and how that helps the organization sustain. Because if the organization doesn't sustain, each of you don't have jobs. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and I think that building it from the top, helping people see the big picture. If you were the CEO, I'm making you CEO for the day. Oh, good. <laughs> right? Right? How would you, how would, how would these, how would these other people, how would you ask people like, you know, you're in the, the shoes of the leader. What would you want? So again, they could start perhaps to more um, viscerally feel like, wow, that would be not that easy to do. Right. And, you know, presumably, again, this is a presumption, but you know, companies, smaller companies, we like each other, hopefully, right? So that social, we're social creatures. And so we want to be able to create the dynamic so that we get these benefits, X, Y, and Z. So you lay that out, right? And then you say, so this is the construct we're starting with. We're going to throw it out here as a straw man. Welcome for input. So let people know, you know, the the, the game plan that they have a chance to put it, uh, input. And then get what people are and say, let's give it a shot. And if it's working great, and then we'll take input and we'll iterate. So let me just pause there. How's that landing? It it sounds really good. I think um, I agree with you that making people part of the change and explaining exactly why we are doing that is uh, very important because it's hard to follow a project when it's not your project. I feel like people, when people feel that they are part of it and they have a voice, um, they, they, they want that change. Yeah. So I, I like what you said about being uh, uniform with the message and uh, focus on the social part and not only the continuous of the business, but also growing the business. Yeah. So, I mean, just a way to outline that is the new information, right? So this is the messaging the shared purpose in the move. It's not being done to you. We're doing this so that we can all thrive together. Then in this change, we're all participating in how it can happen. Now, that doesn't mean everyone's a decision maker, right? But that that input's going to be taken in. Here is how decisions are going to be made. And then that ability for people to to know the, the way it's going to work you know, this is the, like, you are the project manager, right? So it, it's a democracy in getting input, but then we're going to set a path. And this is the way we're going to go. So it, it's not mm-hmm. something where people can pull the plug on it. Um, now, getting to the moving of the office and, and an opportunity, because it's right now it feels like your project. And so an opportunity is, okay, how do you create some linkages so that it's our project or some healthy competition and it kind of, I don't mean to gamify a move, but just, I just throw that out there that, you know, different departments like to win. <laughs> so if there's a way <laughs> as people are packing or what have you, like, and transparency as our friends. So maybe there's a fun, you know, visibility of key move items that people can see how they're all doing and no one really wants to be at the bottom. Oh, that's just an idea for you. Again, lots of times, you know, you're the holder of a lot of data. And if you share that this is how it's going to work, because if we get, and you may work with management, if we hit this kind of a move timeline or a move with these kinds of characteristics, like what can we treat the team with? Right? Mm-hmm. So you make it a team win. Um, and generally, I, I would think that it's fun. Is, is it a bigger space? Is it a more fancy space? Tell me a little bit about Is it an upgrade, I hope? <laughs> It is an upgrade, it's going to be bigger, it's going to be fancier, and uh, we, I have been holding meetings, showing the employees the new space layout, so they can actually see the architectural design and see how the new office is going to look like. And uh, we also have a setup of desks in our new office. The difference is that in the current office, we have cubicles, and people have a 
more is a more a feeling of more privacy in a cubicle. The new space is going to be more open. What well, it looks really nice, but desks are one by the other with dividers, but not as big as tall as before. So there is a sense of more a feeling of more open space, but less privacy. So that could be something that I think people maybe. Um, hesitant about because now they are working from home where they have all the privacy they need and going back to the office they will have more place to collaborate and places where they can have those private conversations and feel uh, that they can have confidential communications but at their desk um, it's not going to feel as private so I think uh, yes the office is going to be fancier but um, it's 10-15 minutes from the current location so for some people is uh, the commute might be a little longer and that sense of less privacy may be something that they are uh, not so happy about yeah okay this is great and I would just say this for any issue but I, I appreciate your bringing this up so if that's a sense and again I don't think you want to create it as an issue right but if you're mm -hmm. open as you're talking to people and you know, maybe they're sensing holding back. Oh, I sense there's a little bit holding back. Anything else you want to share? Get people to tell you, you know, I'm really concerned about having enough privacy. So the more that people feel open with you right out of the get-go, and I'm not saying they're not, but make sure that they're going back and forth with you. You're like, oh, thanks. So you're positive. Thank you so much for bringing that up. We talked a lot about that in the planning team. And obviously, we want to have enough privacy, right? So you're acknowledging the person's concern and that it was something that you talked about. We, and then I'm presuming you went through kind of numbers, data to say, we actually went through this you know, in a quantified manner to determine exactly the private spaces we have, right? So you let them know. And um, as we get started, I want to keep tabs with you to make sure that you're thinking it's right, because if not, we'll come up with alternative solutions, and we've already thought of some. So something that helps people feel honored that that's a legit issue, that their, their voice is going to matter. If it's not right, then, you know, you're going to let me know and we're going to find a way to work through it. Um, and, you know, obviously you can't know until you know, but rather than avoid it or have people that kind of not mentioning it, you're being forthright with it, I think shows a sense of trust and that, you know, this is a new thing. This is not an exact science. You know, we all know this, right? Mm -hmm. To get it perfectly perfect right out of the gate, that's, that's, that's a tall order. So let me pause on that. How does that land for that, uh, any potential issue? It sounds good. I like how you uh, think about the approach, how to uh, give the environment for them to feel comfortable asking questions and uh, make sure that they understand that their voice matters. How do you feel about sending a survey uh, to the employees? Because I have the impression that uh, when you have a group and I was presenting, usually it's a couple of people who will openly say what they think, most will keep quiet. So I wonder if a survey could be a good way to get honest feedback. Absolutely. You know your you know your group. If it's a group where, you know, lots of times people are super nice and they're just not gonna feel comfortable being a little bit on the edge, say, look, we're putting out this survey and I'm really grateful for folks and put, I obviously want to hear from folks directly, but I know sometimes it might be easier for folks to communicate through a survey. And um, that that's great. I think the survey thing is just people know, you know, what the survey, how they're going to hear about it in aggregate and what you're going to do about it. I think lots of times employees get surveys and then they, they fill in the survey and then it's a black hole. They're like, well, what, what happened? I mean, what are we going to do? What are we going to not do? So I do think that having, building trust, you know, the organizations who do the surveys, you have to be forthright about giving the feedback and what you're going to do. And when there's things that might be asked and you're not going to do it, which is totally fair game, you need to explain to employees why that's not the right decision. You know, and I think that that's, management might see it very logically, but they don't necessarily always realize that we're not communicating it in its entirety to the field. And so therefore the field's a little bit questioning and then they're a little bit afraid to ask. So then you're going down a trust deficit, you know, some people mm -hmm. are like, well, whatever, or the, and then they wonder why people don't fill out surveys. Okay. You're like, well, because it doesn't really, we don't really get it 
And I know this seems weird, but it happens quite a bit actually mm -hmm. in the survey world. So, you know, I think that, and I'm not a survey design person, but I do think talking to folks who can give you the right way from a number standpoint and questions to, to have something that's going to give you good input is really important. So just survey design. Uh, anything else? It's a juicy topic. No, that's all. I, I'm going to work on that and uh, hopefully get a good um, outcome out of the survey and be able to get back to the employees, like you said, and give them um, share with them the results and give explanations of what things cannot be done. But it was a great conversation. I really appreciate your advice. Yeah, yeah. So one, one thing I want, and I, you have such a great energy. I love it. So just use that to your asset because changes, stuff goes wrong. And, you know, stuff goes wrong. Ah, oh, screwed up. Oh, wow. Didn't go the way I thought. You're positive, upbeat. This happened. I'm learning from it. We're learning from it. That, that takes some self-care on your part to be able to be the person who's just, you know, really energetic about it. And do not underestimate how powerful that is. Okay, Adriana. Um, what we covered a lot. Do you have one takeaway that you have from our chat? Um, communication, communication, and communication, and uh, make feel uh, people part of it. Yeah, I love it. Okay, please keep me posted how it goes. I'm, I'm wishing you good luck. I'm cheering for you, and I appreciate your calling in and being, of course, part of the solution. You take. Thank you, Molly. Thank you for all you do and sharing and sharing your wisdom with me. Thank oh, you. Thank you. You take good care. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay, we're heading over to my old stomping ground, the West Coast, and I'm thrilled. Vanessa from Silicon Valley is on the line. Vanessa, how are you doing? Hi, Molly. I'm doing good. How are you doing? I could not be more fabulous. I'm talking to you. <laughs> 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 How are things on the West Coast today? They're good. They're good. Well, thank you so much for, for having me on the call. You always give such incredible advice. So I'm excited to ask you a question. Okay, let it rip. Let's hear it. Yeah. So your topic today is about making first impressions and starting a new role. Um, and I've been working in clean tech for quite some time, and I'm currently applying to new roles in a slightly different industry, which is ESG. And I'm applying to ESG roles in management. Um, and I've learned a lot from my, my previous experience working in teams, but oftentimes I was a colleague on that team. I wasn't the, the lead manager or anything like that. So I'm now starting to apply to jobs where I will be um, in management. And I wanted to ask you if you have any advice on how to be a likable leader for your team when you're also coming into an industry that's a little bit new. Um, you know, people might kind of think like you don't know how to how to lead or you don't have enough knowledge to be in that role, even though you have a lot of experience that can make you useful for that role. So when you're coming into a new company and you're in a new role, um, how do you really build trust with your team, especially when you come in as the boss? Oh, I love this. So juicy. <laughs> so first of all, amazing. Like we love that the clean tech and for folks um, who may not be familiar Vanessa, with ESG, would you let folks know what that is? Sure. So ESG is a finance term, um, and it stands for environmental social governance. So it's basically finance and investing surrounding environmental investments, social investments, or investments that have uh, governance in their companies that is um, steady and structured. Awesome. Thank you for that. And it is a big area, and we need brilliant people like you leading the way. Okay. This, this is so fabulous. And I'm going to throw in that you're female, right? So there's this kind right. of gender thing going on too. So um, coming in, you know, and there is never, uh, you only had that one chance to make the first impression. Mm -hmm. So being whole with oneself and a little bit of inventory of um, tell me about yourself. Right. So just, I call this the preparation when you're more prepared, it builds confidence. Right. So if someone says, Hey, tell me about yourself. What's the two minute Vanessa story <laughs> that you share? Right. That, you know, it's almost like you never said it before, but you know what it is because it just gives people that, you know, 90 second, two minute blurb on you and it, it sets a tone. So knowing what that is is important to your own self as a leader, if someone were to describe you, they're observing you or they're, they're hearing you or they're experiencing you as a leader, what might be three words 
three phrases that you want them to to kind of call you, right? You leave the room and they're like, wow, boom, boom, boom. And that <laughs> shows intention because when you know what that impression is, and I don't mean this in a disingenuous way, right? We're not trying to convince them. We're just like, who? what do you want them to feel about you? And when you know that, then, and let's just say that, you know, wow, what a, there, there's a level of, um, of um, strategic thinking, right? There's just a, there's a brightness, you know, something just, and then your words and your actions will reinforce that. So there's, it just helps give you a little bit of a, a frame. And then again, the preparation, I think builds confidence for people. So I think the, the, you know, the new thing, the great thing about being new is you're like, you can use that beginner's mindset to your advantage mm-hmm. that doing so with confidence is the key, right? You know, you don't want to be like a floundering beginner, but you want to be <laughs> someone who's got the confidence. So a trust when, when people can show vulnerability is a must for trust first and foremost, right? So the ability to be vulnerable in the right way as a leader, and that's a judgment call, right? Because we don't want to be weak and floundering, but that shows people, the people who are willing to be vulnerable, that shows confidence. Oh my God, I'm, I'm here. I couldn't be more excited. And I tell you, I know you've been in this business 30 years and, and just way ahead of me. And I know I have so much to learn from you. For example, let's just say you have a, a, a person on your team, your ability to honor them and what they bring, that you've got a lot to learn from them for sure. And as you go in, I think a little bit, let's just say you have a new team. Let's say it's five people, let's just make this up. And, and you're thinking, okay, I want to connect with each of these individuals. I want to connect with the team. Um, I have a going in thought of the, the priorities that we have. So when you can be transparent about what you're thinking, um, that you vetted it, this is what I've been told, right? And, and I'm, I'm here to kind of make sure that I uh, we're all on the same page here because we all want to, we all have to do this together. And my job is to help you, all the team, thrive, do your best work and your best work together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, so an intention. Yeah, some kind of yeah. intention that way. So let me just pause. I've said a lot. What's how, how how is that landing for you? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think especially framing yourself as kind of an an advocate for the team too, um, that you kind of used in that example, I think makes a lot of sense to try to maybe think about what they're looking for and try to say, how can I help support you in kind of those goals as well? Um, I think that makes a lot of sense. Right. And from a tone of voice, and I have had this more with women I work with than with men, sometimes women can go kind of up. In a, so just knowing your tonality, and it's this is great to just record ourselves. And, and believe me, it's really painful, but you start to say, okay, is that how, does that sound like the confidence uh, that I, the way I want to come across? And just knowing that sometimes it's just a little slight downtone, not up. Too much up can come across as not as secure and it's tiny little thing, but it's just something to work on. And I notice it a bit more with women. You know, I think the, the energy I mentioned to Adrian is also really huge. Could not be more excited, thrilled about the challenge. Mm -hmm. I have had some folks, uh, leaders send around a two pager um, and I could be happy to send uh, an example to you just a little bit more about them. And it gives, you know, here's what's great ways working with me, things that, you know, uh, help bring out my best, uh, things you stand for. And just being so open also sends a, a tone. So I think part of you, your, in a sense, you're open, just being really open, it, it kind of invites everyone else to do the same. Um, one thing as an idea for folks with new teams is, and I've done this um, with intact teams as I call it the journey line, but a chance for people to share their life journeys, uh, including the struggles, right? And, and I think that offering to folks, my number one thing is if I can get to know everyone, we can know each other as people. I think that that's what's mm. the most important thing. And if that's what you focus on first is you, the people, the relationship, what got them there, not this is what we have to do together. Here's what we have to execute. Here's the numbers that management needs. If you can focus on the relationship part first, be explicit that you know that that's 
where the highest performance comes from is how we work together. Mm-hmm. That sets a really strong foundation. And then you can roll into the task. So the relationship, if you will, greases the skids for the task that can feel a little edgy. Cause you're thinking, well, here I am, I have to deliver, I have to produce this. And so that takes, I think leading oneself to know that that's a priority. So let me pause. How's that? I like that. I like that. And I, I have a follow-up question that's kind of similar to that, which is, um, thinking specifically kind of about likability within that team, how do you kind of create like steady likability where people still really respect you as someone who's in a leadership position, um, but also still admire you and, and and like you? I know that tone and also being positive and passionate are huge parts of that, but what do you think are some of the the core elements to really building that likability factor? Yeah, so this is an interesting one. And for you, so tell me what... Um, what is it about likability that's appealing for you? Um, I think that when you build that likability within an organization, you find a lot of advocates within your team. Um, if you really can align your goals with theirs and they really admire and like you, they'll go out of your way, their way to really advocate for your goals in the organization. So I think that's why likability can be so powerful. Okay. Okay. I'll throw uh, another word out there. I have never in my career, um, not that I want to be disliked, right? But the <laughs> likability thing, for sure, I don't want to be disliked. But the likability thing has never been on the radar. I would say the respect part mm-hmm. has been really huge. And yes. that obviously is mutual. And the respect part um, for me was about honoring, kind of showing respect for others, where they come from, who they are the effort, the work that they do, and that comes back, right? If you show that. And what I have found over my few decades here is that when you can, you can be the one that helps people want to be their best self. You can help create the environment where people want to be their best self. They're inspired to do their best work, that that has a spiraling up effect. I think the likability is the byproduct because people like <laughs> to do better and be acknowledged and be workable, but that wasn't the end game. Mm. And it might sound like a semantics kind of thing, but I think that mutual respect, you know, I, I actually have seen teams that they don't really like, there's not a big like, like they don't really want to have beers and hang out together after work. I mean, they would, but it's not their drop, but they really respect that one-on-one is 11 with this team and mm-hmm. they can do a lot of great work. And at the end of the day, from a business standpoint, the ability to be productive and to perform as a group is something that uh, is super helpful yeah. <laughs> to get, get the work done. So I think it's fine to focus to, to, for you to, to share that. I just offer that another lens that mm-hmm. might be something that um, is useful for you. That also, I think, that builds the advocate. And, you know, I think the insp- inspiration, admire is a great word too, that insp- if you can inspire people to do their best work, to be their best self, you know, mm-hmm. you're going to be leading people like all over the place. <laughs> that that yeah. is really like the end game in, in, in a really big way. I'm so excited for you. And I'm excited for our world that someone like you is out there. Um, So any other follow-up questions, Vanessa? I think that clarified a lot for me. Okay. Well, that's so great. I appreciate you using your voice. Do you have a top takeaway from our chat? Yeah. And I think it kind of follows up on what Jim said, which is leadership is working through others. Um, And I really liked what you said about helping others be their best self and doing that through being vulnerable and being passionate and inspiring them. So thank you for that. Well, thank you. I'm cheering for you in the biggest way. And uh, I know that the the world, so when I see things falling apart, I think about folks like you. I'm like, okay, they're going to make the world better. So I don't <laughs> feel so bad. Uh, keep me posted. You know how to reach me uh, if you need. I'm cheering for you. And uh, I thank you, Vanessa, for being part of the solution. You take good care. Thank you. Bye. Ciao. Ah, world's going to be great, folks. Don't worry. Okay. We're wrapping it up here. Uh, My thought for the week uh, from marketing guru, Seth Godin, the roads not seen almost always matter more than the potholes we hit along the way. 
And that is a wrap. Thank you folks for tuning in. Please be part of the solution and kindly share this show. Reflect on your own top takeaways. And no, I'm cheering for you to be who you are and say what needs to be said so that you and those around you have a shared reality. Essential to make the best decisions, execute with speed, and achieve outstanding outcomes at work and in life. Homelessness is a problem that's more costly to ignore than solve. The U.S. spends $12 billion a year responding, but resources alone aren't enough. I'd like you to know there are cities and counties proving what does work. Partnering with Community Solutions, a nonprofit I'm on the board of, more than 80 communities around the country are succeeding in ending homelessness, beginning with chronic and veteran homelessness. They convene local leaders around data and are changing how they work and spend their resources. So homelessness becomes rare. More than half have already reduced the number of people experiencing chronic and veteran homelessness with commitment to get to zero. What can you do? Visit www.built40.org and see whether your community is engaged. Contact your mayor and ask, do you know the number of people experiencing homelessness in real time? Do you know every homeless person by name? What are you doing to drive measurable reductions in homelessness? Please challenge the fiction that says homelessness is an intractable problem. Thanks for listening to Say It Skillfully with host Molly Chang. Join us again for more ways to say it skillfully next Tuesday, 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Follow Molly on LinkedIn and Twitter. Check out sayitskillfully.com and sign up so you don't miss her latest 90-second video. And please, be part of the solution. Kindly tell others about this program so they say it skillfully too. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program.